I like trains. I really do. And Peugeot with Roger Billings. No, <laughs> never. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No. Aren't you that guy with Peugeot? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it goes. That's not how it goes? No. How does it go? It's Roger Williams and Peugeot. Just a little quiet Peugeot. I'd like to welcome everyone today. Mm -hmm. We will resolve this later. <laughs> we'll see. You know, um, Wait. do you want to know about Peugeot? No. no. I mean, we're we here to talk about science, so we could, we could talk about Dr. Peugeot, scientifically. Oh, dear. <laughs> How about a formula? A little scary. Do you know the Peugeot formula? E equals, oh my goodness. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, I like that yeah. one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own that one. <laughs> and, and you know what the second derivative of that is? Okay. No. I think Pat, we'll that's just... Pat Merritt. So it is really exciting to be here today. It's a it wonderful is. new school year. People are studying hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a time of much learning, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to tell you about Peugeot. Oh, come on. <laughs> if, it's, if it's OK, you know. Um, I, I like to fish. Do you guys like to fish? Yes. I like to fish. Okay. And you know, there is fishing. And then there is the science of fishing. <laughs> I like that voice. It really a bit. Is. <laughs> one of the great mysteries that no one has been able to figure out yet is how do they get the message between all the fish? That's a good question. Because on a given day, there's a certain kind of bait you can put on mm -hmm. a hook, and if it's the right color on the right day, at the right time of day, they will, they will eat it, they'll bite. Mm -hmm. If it's not, they won't. And it's really fascinating. In our wideband corporation, we manufacture networking equipment. And one of our dealers that would come into our trains every year would tell us about Barney. Remember Barney? Barney was a little Barney. fish, was a bass. Yep. And he caught Barney and took him home and put him in his aquarium, yep. in his living room. So here's little Barney swimming around in the aquarium. <laughs> and, you know, this is actually an accurate story. I heard it and personally. So the, and, and some of you know which dealer I'm <laughs> yeah, talking about. But anyway, he loved to fish. Mm -hmm. So he would take his tackle box, opened up with all the different kinds of spinners and lures and things that fish might bite on, and then he'd dangle them in, in his aquarium to see which one Barney would want to eat that day. And when he'd see that Barney wanted that, he knew and he'd go out and he'd catch fish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now the question is, how did all of the fish know? Is there a way to find out? Well, it certainly wasn't wideband networking. <laughs> no, and as a near as we can tell, unless the tell is some kind of a Wi-Fi thing. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> we don't know exactly how they do it. So, a scientist tackles a problem like this with a scientific method. First of all, you get a hypothesis. So you think about it. You think, okay, I think I know how they do it. It's the fins. So you come up with a hypothesis. Then you invent an experiment that you can do to test to see if your hypothesis is correct. 
I mean, once you have a good experiment invented, ready to run, you've almost won the science fair. <laughs> you know, you're ready to go. So then you go out and you run your experiment and you collect the data and see whether you're right or wrong. If you're right, you celebrate. Mm -hmm. If you're wrong, you work on a new hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. It's a pretty good thing. So it makes sense. Uh -huh. So trying to figure out how the fish signal, which color of bait to bite on on a given day. This is a hard experiment to run. I mean, you cannot do it very well in a laboratory. <laughs> you can't. And my dad told me that the time you spend fishing doesn't count off your life. <laughs> so sometimes you've got to go out to the stream <laughs> to run these kinds of experiments. But what experiment do we run? How, how do we test this? Then I got the idea. What if we tried something extreme? Extreme? Yeah, something extreme. Because if we could push the stream and the fish into an extreme mode, <laughs> well, then it'd be easier to collect data. Am I making sense? Uh -huh. Okay, so how do you push them into an extreme mode? For example, if we had dynamite and we threw it in That's the stream, <laughs> that would be a very extreme That's mode. That's extreme. But it may destroy the evidence, so that's not it. But something like that, you get my idea? So I thought, what would happen? I'm not saying this is accurate, but what if there was such a thing as an outer space alien? Yeah, what if? What if? And if there was such a creature, mm -hmm. and you took them down to the stream, would the fish bite? That's the question. Would the fish bite? So I have a friend. I, I had a friend. <laughs> yeah, now we're, we're processing yeah, and, that. And I, I asked. I asked, would you like to do something for the advancement of science? <laughs> and what'd she say? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Science is the best. I would. Okay. So I said, would you mind getting in a boat and going down the stream with me and just riding down the stream so I can see if I can figure out how they're communicating, what kind of bait to eat? She didn't seem to understand. Said, well, you don't have to understand. You just have to get in the boat and, and, and behave. Okay. <laughs> that was just, the hard part. Just sit in the boat. We'll do the rest. So we got some nice people that had a boat in a nice little stream. We put her in there. We started the motor, and we went down. And I'm trying to think, now, how are we going to do this experiment? We need to have people monitoring the fish to tell whether or not there's some kind of realization, some kind of communication going on. So I had one of the helpers watching on one side of the boat, one of the helpers helping on the other side of the boat. These are, you know, cello students. I said, guys, you've got to watch. And if you see any erratic behavior from the fish, you need to report it right away. And when the kids said, what's erratic behavior? <laughs> like they'd come in the presence of an outer space alien or something like that. Okay. So we went down the boat, and I'm really kind of excited to tell you what happened. So we were 
you know, some things are just hard to tell. <laughs> Do you want to see the film? Okay, so we got on the boat. We're going down the boat. We got Page A sitting there in the back. I mean, there's no signs. We didn't put up a sign. It's Page A. We didn't do the intro with the train. It was just, you know, she's just sitting there, more or less behaving. And here's what happened. Okay, you see what I'm saying? No erratic behavior. Now, I'm, I'm not jumping to any conclusions. One experiment doesn't answer all the questions. But something was happening with those fish. That's not erratic. I won't say whether or not she's an alien, but something's fishing. Fishy? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what do you want to talk about tonight? <laughs> I want to talk about tackling problems. Okay, and do you tackling, use a tackle, ta tackle box? Tackle, tackling How's that work? box, yes. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> we, we have to finish talking about the acellus pods. Remember? Yes, we do. Last time we talked yes. about the factory and how we put the little electronic parts on the circuit board. If you haven't watched that, go back. You need to see that. And so after the circuit boards are built, we can put them in computers, we can put them in networking equipment. We showed you the equipment that actually is bringing you these images and your other classes. But then we talked about the desks, the learning pods, the Acellus learning pods. And these are the, the things that we made for schools. Now, a lot of people have seen this. We call this the gold book. Mm -hmm. And just to be humble, we put Goldbook Pro, <laughs> because they're not very humble. And this, this is a two-in-one computer. Let me open it up for you. So it becomes a laptop with a touch screen, but you can also flip it clear over, and it turns into a tablet, okay? Mm -hmm. Keyboard there. So it can be a tablet, or it can be uh, a laptop. And this computer was developed specifically for Acela students. For the parents and the teachers, I'm happy to report that it's locked down with Gold Key, yes. which is like a lens focusing the student's attention on learning instead of distractions. <laughs> Some of the students say, it's broke, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's very nicely broke, okay? <laughs> so this is available for students that are studying at home someplace like that. And by the way, uh, David, where is he? Where is David? We have these in the in the store, don't we? And do we still have a, a discount on these for our solid parents? Okay, good. So these are available, and they're called Goldbook, Goldbook Pros, right? So these, some of you students are using. You don't need this to do a Cellus. Just a cell phone, a smartphone will work to do a Cellus. A computer's kind of nice, too. So you have a lot of different choices, but this is one that we made that's locked down. It's got a very good quality screen. It's got a big screen so you can see it, and it's a touch screen so you can do the drag and drop things well. All right? In the schools that are using the Cellus, they wanted to have something like this, but they have a problem in some of the schools. They set these out on the desk, and they come back the next day, and they can't remember where they went. These are disappearing sometimes. And so they ask, is there a way we can bolt them down? So we came up with a learning pod. And the learning pod has three sides so that three students can sit there 
and work at the same time on this same kind of a desk unit. Okay, and they were made so that it's tall enough so that the other two students are kind of hidden so that you can focus on the lesson. And also, it turns out, so it'll block the germs if you know we get another pandemic or a cold or the flu or something. And then we have one of these computers on each of the three sides for the students to use, okay? These pods are kind of exciting. I'd like to show you a short video of what they look like. We have already installed the Acellus Learning Pods in many, 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 many schools. And now we're building up our manufacturing capability because all of a sudden, a lot more schools want them. And so we've also added things to fight the germs. I'd like to show you a quick video of the Learning Pods. Here we go. The new Acellus e-learning pods with germicidal UV are modern educational stations designed to minimize vulnerability to the spread of infections while accelerating learning. Seating is designed to promote social distancing and helps encourage students to stay focused on their coursework. Pods also include germicidal modules to clean the air as students work. To ensure that everything is working properly, a built-in indicator light shows when maintenance is needed. Pods come ready to go and equipped with everything needed to get started. This includes the whiteboard tabletop, dry erase markers, stools, and a locked down touchscreen computer. E-learning pods are available for elementary, middle, and high school. Classrooms can be customized with math, language arts, science, social studies, and STEM pods. This learning environment is designed to spark excitement and creativity as learning is accelerated throughout your school. So now you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, right? Yes. That's what they look like. So for home, the gold book or some other computer is a great way to go. A phone is okay, but it's got kind of a tiny screen. So like an iPad or something bigger, a desktop computer might be better. But uh, a lot of students are using the phones and doing it quite well. I like, especially as you get into older courses, I like to have some kind of a device with a keyboard because I think learning to write and type and you can do a lot faster with a keyboard. Okay, so now we all of a sudden need a lot of these. Mm -hmm. and we have a factory and these are built primarily by our IST students. But now the factory has to really be expanded. And I thought you might enjoy You saw how to build the circuit boards and how we have our pick and place machine. Would you like to see how we build the rest of this pot? Yes. I think it's always fun to see how things are made. And so I've invited a couple guests today. And I'd like to start with Josh Haby. Josh, are you here? Let's, let's bring him up with a round of applause. <laughs> You know that mic right there. Okay, so this is Josh. Uh, do you want to explain to everybody why you're so famous? <laughs> well, um... uh -huh, maybe I better. <laughs> I think you better. So Josh is the guy that designs things like the uh, the equipment that we're we're building, the furniture, the metal, etc. And then he programs and leads the team that actually make the parts. So Josh was kind enough to bring a little video showing how he does it. Is there anything you want to say to introduce it? I think it's awesome. 
Yeah, <laughs> the, the very soothing voice you hear during the video is Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now the music, okay. I don't know for sure if that I, was Josh. You did the music. music. Okay, <laughs> let's see how we make these things. Let's start with make, fabricating the metal. We start at the CNC punch press. This particular punch uses a hydraulic ramp to punch holes into the sheet. We use special tools called a punch and a die to remove material from the sheet. The punch and die come together in a shearing process to cut the material from the sheet like a pair of precision scissors. We load these tools into special cartridges that hold our tooling on the rack rail. When we need to change the configuration of the rack rail, we just pick the cartridge up out of the rail and place a new tool assembly in its place. The program starts by grabbing a tool from the rack and loading it into the punching head. Then the machine moves the sheet to a specific position so the punch head can bring the two cutting tools together and in an instant remove the material from the sheet. As the sheet moves around, the punching head also rotates the tool in the head to cut the shapes at any angle. Once the part has been cut away from the sheet, the part chute opens and allows the finished part blank to clear the work area. So it's actually cutting it by punching lots of holes, isn't it? We can also use the chute to clear away any scrap or other pieces of material that would cause problems with the sheet moving freely in the machine. These are robot doors with the little houses. The next step is to remove any sharp edges or burrs from the parts with a special deburring machine. This gives the parts a nice smooth clean edge and gives them a nice finish. So these are aluminum parts or stainless? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Once the parts are deburred, we form the bends into the part using a sheet metal brake. So you're clamping the part in and then you bend it. This is done by clamping the flat part between the two fingers of the brake and then moving the bending leaf to form the flange of the part to the desired angle. Once the parts are formed, then we insert special fastening hardware, threaded nuts, studs, and standoffs to be used later on during the assembly stages. This makes it so it will take screws and yeah. hold tightly. Now that the parts have all been formed and have their hardware inserted, they are ready for powder painting. We use a special dry powder that is the color we want for the parts. As the powder is passed through the gun, it is given an electrostatic charge, opposite of our grounded parts, so that the powder paint will be attracted or cling to the parts. If you look closely, you can see how the powder cloud is attracted to the part just like a magnet. Once all the parts are coated, they're ready to go into the curing oven. 
That's a large Here the bag. paint will melt from a dry powder <laughs> into a liquid and then immediately solidify into a hard, durable, and chemically resistant coating. Once the painted parts are removed from the oven, they are ready to have their graphics applied in a process called silk screening. We use a machine that has a special stencil screen made from silk and two wipers to move the colored ink across and through the screen and transfer the graphics onto the part. As you can see, the two wipers move back and forth across the screen, one to place ink onto the part and the other to flood the screen back again with fresh ink. Once the parts have all had their ink applied, they're loaded back into the curing oven to bake the ink into a solid coating that is as hard and durable as the paint beneath it. Looks like you got some quality help there. Yep. <laughs> all right, so that's how you do it. And this is actually silk screen printed on, which yes. means it's painted on through little holes mm -hmm. so you get the shapes. Yep. So does anybody have any questions for the Josh? Okay. I had one question. I said, you know what? Those are amazing. Those are really, really amazing. How can you make them better? Right? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so he's been very, very, very busy designing the next generation. We're going to talk about it a little later. Okay, so when you get them all punched, bent, painted, and printed, then you turn them over to the next phase, yep. okay? So we'll let you sit down, and we're going to bring up yet another Josh, <laughs> okay? Josh Merkley, come on up here. How you doing, Josh? So to be part of this team, you have to be a Josh, right? <laughs> and I'm not joshing. Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about uh, uh, Dr. Josh. Uh, this guy, in his real life, is an electrical engineer that designs very high-performance circuit boards. In fact, he designed the nano-latency concentrator we showed you in the last lecture, right? Yeah. So he's good at that. But he does other things as well. And today he's wearing a different hat <laughs> called making Acellus pods. What part are you going to show us? The tabletop manufacturing. Okay. And uh, so this is what he does in the evenings or whenever. <laughs> so let's, let's see your video on how we make this, Josh. Manufacturing stem pod tabletops begins with printing the table image on an adhesive backed laminate. The printed laminate is run through a laminator machine to apply a clear, dry erase film over the top of the print. This clear coating protects the printed laminate and makes the surface work as a dry erase board. A lint-free duster is used to clean the laminate to make sure no dust or small particles get stuck between the two layers. For the next step, the coated roll of laminate is moved to the top of the laminator machine. Then, it is laminated onto an eighth inch thick sheet of hardboard. This provides a flat, smooth surface for the top of the table. A lot of work goes into making these. Yes. Then, a blue protective coating is applied. This is a temporary coating that will protect the surface during the rest of the manufacturing process.
Next, the laminated hardboard is glued to a thicker sheet of particle board. The holes are drilled and the table is cut to the right shape with a router. The back of the table is painted to protect it from moisture and mounting hardware is inserted. For the final step, a rubber bumper is installed around the outside edge of the table. The finished table is checked for defects and then packed for shipping. So that's how you do it. Now, do you see that rubber bumper that goes around the outside? Uh -huh. That's so if a student trips and falls and hits their head on the side of the table, it won't do damage. So it's rubbery, but I wanted it to be our two cellus colors, light blue and darker blue. Mm -hmm. So I told the factory, would like those colors. Mm -hmm. And they said, if you want a custom color, you have to buy three kilometers How much of is rubber that? bumper. <laughs> three kilometers, that's, whoa, <laughs> that's long. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, three <laughs> kilometers. We've now used that, and we've ordered more kilometers, haven't we? We've built a lot of them. I thought we would never use that much, but there it is. So anything you want to add to the process? And so you are one of the chief technical engineers in uh, Wideband Corporation. You make the circuit boards. You design almost all of the real high-performance circuit boards and everything. Yep. But on these tabletops, you report to who? <laughs> His wife. <laughs> can we? Can she come up here? Valerie, come on up here. Uh -huh. And here's the only person that could get the chief design engineer making tabletops. It's Valerie herself. And uh, Valerie has been, for a, a long time, a specialist in quality assurance. Yes. When we manufacture products, she makes sure that they are made with the highest precision and quality. And so she's going to tell us how we put all of these together. But you'll notice that as she tells us, she keeps referring to quality assurance, <laughs> quality control. It's ingrained in her DNA, okay? Would you like to show your video? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> the assembly process is one of the most exciting parts of manufacturing because that's when you get to see all the parts come together to make the finished product. We take the parts from the metal shop as well as other accessories and begin with sub-assemblies. These are steps that need to be done before the final assembly. During the process, we have steps that are broken out into stations. Each station is supplied with the tools and parts needed. This keeps things organized and running smoothly. <laughs> In the power strip, we add AC power connectors and wires. A back plate is snapped onto each of the connectors, securing the wires. It then mounts to the base plate. On the top plate, we secure an LED circuit board and a small crystal dome. Then it is tested for quality control. For the UV module, 
We add the UV bulbs and ballast. Then we pop rivet the cabinet together to create the finished module. For the stem consoles, we add a robot house. This is secured to the front panel. We will need three finished fronts for each console. Now the final assembly can start. The front panels come together with the top and bottom plates. We plug wires in and close the last panel. The top dome is added as one of the steps. Through the assembly line they go. The console then needs to go through strenuous testing to make sure everything is working. We are determined to find any issues before it leaves the factory. When everything looks good, it is then time to package the product for shipping. Using industrial tape, we secure the box that holds the console, surrounded by foam for protection. The product is now ready to send to its destination. Hey, hey. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun to know how those are made, isn't it? It is. And we have made, boy, I wonder how many we've made, how many pods? Hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> I think we're almost up around 1,000 pods that we've built so far. And it looks like we're going to need about 10,000 this year. Wow. So many so that that puncher of Josh Habings will not be able to get them done in time. And so he has been very kind in finding a laser cutter that cuts out the parts much faster and cleaner. And the biggest labor thing in his department is that machine that smooths out all the burrs and the rough edges. The laser cutter doesn't leave any. Wow. So we eliminate a lot of the labor just by that and we can handle many more. So we have to figure out how now to mass produce all of these, don't we? Mm -hmm. Can we do it? Yeah, we even bought a new building for a new factory. So, uh, and again, it's really special if a student that is learning engineering or design or, or one of these technology fields, even if they're going to be a teacher, an educator, whatever, it's nice to be able to spend some time at the different stations in the factory building things because you learn a lot. I have noticed that after they've been through the factory and the quality assurance people are watching over their shoulder and say, they're neater with their homework. Yeah, I bet they really are. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's and we're not going to let up, are we? Mm. All right, carry on, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, I've been working on a few improvements of my own. Yeah. In the in the Acellus pods, we have these little computers, and the student sits there, but when they're looking at the lesson, they have to look down like this. Mm -hmm. And they're on those stools, and I thought, well, for them, wouldn't it be nice if I could put the screen up higher, up here? It would be. So they wouldn't be looking down here, mm -hmm. they'd look here. And I also thought, maybe in the schools, where we have so many people using it, we could put a bigger screen. That'd be really nice. So we've been working on a new version for the school. Wow, look at that. There it is. And if you can see this, it's bigger. It is bigger. Yeah. It's a bigger one. It's still a touch screen. But the idea is that I'm thinking about pushing this up 
on the pod right where the robots are. That'd be so nice. So that they can look straight in it without bending their necks. And uh -huh. one of the reasons I want to do that is so that the students that are spending a lot of time won't need to cock their heads down that much. And for those of you that are using like a gold book at home, I'm even going to recommend that you might want to get a good big fat dictionary or something to set it on. Get it up a little bit because if you're going to be spending very much time, you want to be able to keep a good posture. Uh, to tell us why a good posture is very hard. <laughs> Don't like, get me started. I'd like to turn about Don't 20 minutes Don't get me started. Go ahead. It creates a positive outlook for one thing. It does. It gets you in the learning mode and it makes you focus. It opens up your breathing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to keep breathing. <laughs> keep breathing. <laughs> Makes, and it makes people realize, hey, look at that person. They've really got it going. <laughs> I need a substrator. <laughs> but it, it changes how you look at life. I so think. that's what we're up to. What do you think? Does that sound good? I think it sounds fabulous. Good. You know, uh, building something like this would be impossible. There's a lot of schools that say, well, we need something like this too. So we're just going to have our teachers stay after school tonight, and they're going to build some pods. <laughs> and most people say, no, 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 you can't do that. It takes a lot of expertise and stuff to build things. It does. And unfortunately, I didn't learn that we can't do that. <laughs> and so I just says, can you guys please build these? He did say please. He did say please. <laughs> and so we do it. When you get a lot of people that really believe in what you're doing, and mm -hmm. we really believe in the students that are going to be doing our Cellus courses, yep. but when you get a lot of people that really believe, if you can get them kind of working together, they can do things so much bigger than they could ever do by themselves. And that's, that's the whole fun of it. You kind of form teams. Mm -hmm. And it's like trying to push the car out of the mud, remember? Mm -hmm. If you go push it out yourself, nothing, nothing happens, but you get a few more people helping, a few more helping, and then pretty soon you can get it out. And getting people to all work together, uh, it's amazing what they can do. Remember me telling you about how I saw the video of the ants? Mm -hmm. And the ants found dinner. Uh, I mean, you've heard of dinner for two. Well, this was dinner for 200. <laughs> and they found it. The only problem is the dinner was this big and the ants were this big. Mm -hmm. And they, they couldn't even begin to budget. So they went and got another ant, and they were trying to help, and they couldn't. Pretty soon, a whole bunch of them were trying. It was way too big. So then another ant came and hooked onto the first ant and, and pulled. And then another one hooked onto him. And pretty soon, they had a double chain. And it was like that long. And they were all pulling this dinner home. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I had got that video. You don't have it? I don't have it. Oh. <laughs> Do you have it? Do you have it? Yeah. Yeah, she has it. <laughs> I don't, but I, I got you to say yes. <laughs> this is called a hydrogen power bump. It's <laughs> nice. OK, would you show it to us, please? Yeah, let's go okay. for it. So look here are the ants. Oh, look at the there dinner. is the big dinner. And look <laughs> how they're lined up pulling together. Okay, that is neat. That's how we do a cellus. That is right awesome. There. Teamwork. <laughs> and that little one out in front, that is 
It's an entourant. Pull, guys, pull. Yeah, that's, pull. that's me. Break a sweat. I'm the role master there. But that is pretty neat, isn't it? It's awesome. Yeah. And it's I think really it's, it's really neat. Not only do we do things that shouldn't be able to be done, yeah. but it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. If it needs to be done, then it should be. And just because we can't is not a good enough excuse for not doing it. Think about that a minute. Just because you can't do it, it's not a good enough excuse. When uh, <clears throat> I was privileged to get married and have a little family, I came home one day from work and what I ended up discovering is that my wife had discovered how to get me to do anything she wanted <laughs> yeah yeah she said I've got some bad news our washing machine is hopelessly broke and it cannot be fixed <laughs> yes it can oh no it cannot be fixed so about 1.30 in the morning, <laughs> yeah, it was a form of abuse, <laughs> but it worked. I, I want to inspire the kind of people that take, it can't be done as a challenge. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do when you believe and when you put your back into it. And when you get all the other backs into it, too, we can do really, really amazing things. Being able to be part of teams that are going to make our wonderful world better has so much to do with the preparation you're doing in your studies. I mean, Josh Merkley is a pretty good put the top on the counter. You know, he can run that machine. I liked the part where he was wiping it. Wasn't he good at that? <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> someone taught him how to do it. I can tell by the dance move in there. <laughs> but most of the time, the things that he, are doing, he is doing for us are things that few people on this earth can do. The frequency of signals that he's routing on those circuit boards are so high that they will not stay on the board. They want to go shooting off as radio or, uh, or shorted waves. Mm -hmm. And so he has all of these advanced techniques to keep that signal on the board so that it gets to its destination. As you gain knowledge, you gain power to do things. And as you gain power to do things, you become more and more valuable to your team. I just, uh, I want you to know it's wonderful to study, to graduate, but the real value is the knowledge that you gained. Don't get a diploma. Get smart. The diploma is just a nice thing to have, but the knowledge is what's going to empower your lives. Knowledge is, well, how can I say it? The only real way you can explain knowledge is that it's a lot like hydrogen. It has a lot of power. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I do. I love it. I, that that, that excites me. <laughs> I like it.
like knowledge. Well, thank you. Well, we'll see you next time. Till then, steady hard, okay?